I mean, that's you're you're we just that's a fucking Terminator. It's, it's been <laughs> solved, right? Like all I have to do is duct tape a gun right. to that. All you have to do is duct tape a gun to that. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, welcome back to another Zengineering podcast. I'm Adam. I'm uh, Brian. Uh, so what's up? What's up, man? <laughs> hey, buddy. So this week we, I think we we kind of talked about it last week, right? That we were gonna we we're gonna use this episode to talk about next season. This is episode twenty two. Twenty two. Episode. Of, do you want to do you want to play your celebratory sound? Playing. Oh no, the video. Oh, I turned the sound off. What happened? <laughs> no, that wasn't good. There it is. <laughs> Episode 22. Which we sort of arbitrarily decided is going to be it's not a arbitrary. rollover on a quote season. It's not arbitrary at all. In honor of our collective favorite show, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, we, did, we wanted to do 22 episodes because they did 22 episodes per season. Which we then realized was standard for TV, and then we realized that Star Trek didn't actually do 22 episodes their first season, but doesn't matter. That was the, the goal, was and we're there, and we're celebrating season 22. Either way, it 22. roughly represents about a year of work, <laughs> and we thought it was a good point to reevaluate what we're doing and can try to continue to improve. Because um, that's part of the, you know... If you want to go, you go, go back and listen to our uncomfy topics episode for a nice little introduction on our effort to use this podcast as a, as a mechanism for growth. <laughs> that episode Pers- was pivotal. Personal growth. So this episode, we're going to start out with a little quick uh, intro for the people that are listening via our Patreon page. Yeah, so we, we've moved our website over to... Uh, Patreon. It's a website that kind of allows businesses to get themselves started by raising small amounts of money. So if you are a listener of Zengineering, if you like it, uh, if you want to support it, um, or you just enjoy it and you want to toss us a dollar a month, we've set this up so each episode we launch in season two, uh, will you can donate like a dollar per episode or five dollars per episode. Uh, it's a really cool uh, microfinancing system, kind of like websites like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, sites that people might be familiar with. And so we were checking it out. We've been supporting some other artists on it, and it seemed like a cool platform not only to check out, uh, we wanted to do an episode on it, and then we were like, hey, maybe we should just set up an account here and, and really get to know it. So uh, we're running our running the blog through it now. Uh, we can, we're can we shooting to cover our production costs, which are pretty moderate. I think we calculated them at 50 bucks per episode. Yeah, it's not a crazy amount. Uh, and we just, we want to up, we want to up season two. We're stoked. Part of it is we want to, we want to use the, something like Patreon as a hub for the people that really care about everything that we're talking about and that are really involved in the community so we can keep talking to them and keep our own sort of stoke going, right? Because like, we're not making a living off of this. So no, this is something to keep fun. doing because it's cool. <laughs> yeah, we want to we, and we want to grow it. We've got a really cool following with some close friends, um, a lot of people that I really respect and I'm really, really uh, uh, humbled that they listen to our podcast every week. Um, and so I want to I want to make it available to some other people. So we're going to take some of this money. Uh, we're, we're already we've already up to 23 bucks, I think, which is pretty cool because we haven't really done anything with this yet. Um, but, uh, we're going to take some of this money and reinvest it into the platform, into other artists to support them. And we're going to take the other pieces and, um, pay for some of our overhead for this and kind of pump some into marketing so we can grow this and get a real following in a community, uh, that can participate in engineering. And there's a couple different levels that you can sign up at. Um, 
the I think the basic one is just a dollar per episode. Um, that's basically like uh, you'll you'll get uh, blog posts and updates that we don't put out through other channels. And I think at the five dollar level, I, you're right. I should have pulled this site up. At the five dollar level, <laughs> you get at the least a yearly T-shirt, maybe some surprise T-shirts throughout. Totally. Yeah. Um, we all we've got is one and five dollar. Uh, I don't know what you call them rewards, I think on here for us, they're just supporting donations. Um, and yeah, we're going to start making some cool shirts. So I assume if you're pledging five bucks to us that you know us at the moment, so probably. shoot me an email and chat with me about t-shirts. Maybe right. you have a t-shirt idea. We'll put it up on our site. So that's the, that's the short version. If you're here on Patreon and you looked at that file and you said, uh, why is this an hour long? You're you're done already. You can go. <laughs> you know everything you need to know about Patreon. Uh, from here, we're gonna do a standard. If you want to get a taste, if you're new here, you want to get a taste for what you know our episodes are like. We're gonna do a podcast where we talk about some of the underlying stuff that's that that makes Patreon work and that makes it a, a, a like a living thing, like the idea of crowdfunding and and microfinancing and micropayments and that kind of stuff. The redistribution of wealth to the common man. Woo. That's where I want to go with it. That's where I <laughs> That's hope everyone right. who runs these businesses wants to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Economics, <laughs> communism and shit. <laughs> Damn right. Socialism, communism, That's I don't some, know. Some Marx up in this bitch. These are uh, your words. Uh, stuff like Patreon. So so you want to step a little further back from the quick and dirty intro that we just did and talk about the idea of Patreon or similar sites? Let's Crowdfunding about- in general? Yeah, let's talk about maybe Kickstarter. That's when's probably the, the first most time, popular. Yeah, I was going to say, when's thing, the first right? time that you were aware of crowdfunding, right? It was probably Kickstarter. Kickstarter, maybe almost. Indiegogo. I think that's probably just as popular. Um, yeah, there's sites that, uh, they're really interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what their grand vision was when they started, but the idea was um, somebody who wants to do something that costs money, if it's creative pursuit, say it's an art project, if it's, uh, I don't know, go to college, if it's start a, start a small business, sell a product, um, they go on a website like Kickstarter or Indiegogo uh, and they, they post about it. They've, they've gotten pretty complex now. You do a real pitch for a business on these sites, but you, you launch your product, you talk about how you've done development with it, you talk about the business objectives, or you talk about the project that you're working on, and then you have a fundraising goal. And you say, hey, I'm, I want to paint this amazing mural in downtown San Diego. Uh, I've already got the permits. Here's, what, here's the sketches I'm going to do. I've, everything's approved. I need $10,000 in supplies. Um, who wants to support? And then people who go on those sites can see now they can see tens of thousands of projects that are going on and you can donate any amount of money. And so you can donate a dollar to help and then she needs 10,000, the artist needs 10,000 people to do it. Or you can donate a hundred dollars and then they need a hundred people. And, and it's just this really cool platform for uh, kind of democratizing uh, doing things that cost money, um, which has never really existed before. Right. And so uh, my first, my question as you were, running through that was like, what, how was it before crowdfunding? Right? Like you, you, in order to like a TV broadcast or something, it's not just something that a person could do. It's because it costs a lot of money to make the thing before it can even go out over the airwaves. Right? Like, Tons. and that's true for any product, right? So Everything. It, you can't just make a mural, like you need paint, like, so it's, it's not as expensive, but somebody's got to pay for that. Right? So it's usually like, the rec center that the murals on the side of, <laughs> or like the neighborhood association, like there are other intermediates that would 
control getting the money to make this thing. Yeah, it was. I mean, previously, there's a good this this uh, mural on a rec center is an interesting example, right? Because previously it was kind of democratized, right? Like the city would pay for it or the city council or like a nonprofit in town would pay for it. But now what we're doing is we're uh, projects that go on websites like this have been reduced to the uh, the most granular level of potential funding. It's the individuals in the community. It's the individuals on the internet who want to support something. Well, it's the difference between actual democratization and it being a product of democracy, like mm. which which is something that I don't want to dive into right now because it's a whole separate episode. But like, there's a difference and a conflation between the two. Like, democracy is our form of government. It is largely democratized, but it doesn't. So, like, the fact that your govern your local government, which were officials that you elected through democracy, were the ones that would, you know, put together that the mural is going to go up and put the money into it doesn't necessarily like that's not that is democratization more so than you having absolutely no say in what mural goes up but it's not full-on like here's my dollar put it directly toward the mural so in a sense this democratizes the market force part of like if you don't want that mural don't put up money for it and it won't get money but the cool thing with kickstarter is they started finding that people are like super happy to fund things like just, oh, yeah, that is a good idea. And I think the other thing you need to talk about with these sites, though, is rewards. Yeah, um, so, it's, so it's not necessarily just to make the thing exist always, particularly Kickstarter and Indiegogo are are about the reward. Yeah, that's the part that's neat. It basically has become, <laughs> I think of it more now as like a business launch platform but i think that's just because i don't explore more of the artistic projects that are on there which i should because i personally am a big user of kickstarter i know you are too i think i've participated in maybe 20 projects i've probably bought i think 300 uh i think i've i've probably bought a handful of things but i've kicked in like a dollar or five bucks to a bunch of projects that i just thought were really neat and i wanted to follow um but what it's it's become is a platform to launch a business or to launch a product and or a project and what you get is you get rewards from it so say i'm launching a uh smart watch that's been a really popular product on there there have been a couple i'm staring at one that you have attached to your mic boom at the moment um <laughs> but uh if you launch that on there the reward levels can be the product so it's really neat from a business perspective because you get to go to market with your product before you raise the capital to actually manufacture your product. Raise the capital. That's the interesting. So so the 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 place where it's this disruption that's in in the get stuff space, the like the reward space and what we should go into later is how Patreon is a little different. But like if you go back to the episode where we're talking about developing pharmaceuticals and the EpiPencil and stuff, there's this overhead for developing a product. So if you have this idea for an invention that you think people would like and they would pay for, before Kickstarter, the model was you had to go find some investor, somebody with big money or something that would put up enough money that you could make prototypes and refine the design and then get the thing, you know, done in such a way that it could be mass produced. And then he had to just get it on the market. And if people don't buy it, all that money is just lost. And Kickstarter, if you say, well, for the reward, if you give us $70, which is what the thing would probably cost in a store, we'll give you 
we'll just send you one of these products once this whole development process is finished. And here's what we think the product will be. Then you can actually raise all this money up front just from the people that would end up giving you money to have the thing anyway. And so it cuts out this intermediate step of like, there's tons of ideas that flounder on Kickstarter. And that's just an example of like, well, the market didn't bear out. Right. But you didn't have to lose $3 million in investment before you did that. It's neat. It's something that big companies do anyway. They do market research, right? They build prototypes. They go to cities and test them and see the responses. But uh, small companies have never really been able to afford to do that properly uh, or at large scale. And now you get the, the global community of the internet to look at these products, look at these things that you want to do, these art projects. And not only do people get to support them because they want one, but they get to support stuff because they care, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and that's what's neat about driving down the investment amount, but upping the number of people who get to participate. Um, and so $1 goes a long way when 100,000 people uh, are each giving $1. Well, and it, so it goes to that thing we were talking about, again, in the EpiPen thing, right? It's like, on the other side of, we like this and we want it to exist, here's some money, is we don't like this and we don't want it to exist. <laughs> which so is your dollar. It's like what we were talking about near the end of that episode, where it's this feedback situation of, they announced that the price of the drug is going up, and we've sort of closed that loop because people, before you even have to hit them in the wallet can turn around and say, uh, we're not going to pay that. And like within three days, they back away and go, oh, you're right. Okay. Like we don't, we're, it's, it's part of even closing that loop because totally. like you could just put a thing on Kickstarter that says, we want to, we have the science to say that this drug might do this thing. And if you agree, you know, here's how much money we need to test it out and FDA approve, blah, 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 blah. But then if you've crowdfunded that, you can't then come back and go, we need to charge this much for it so we can cover our, like, it's like open. A, it's open, right. It's, it's, it's an open, it's a public thing where you're not like, it's not this thing of, oh, well, it costs this much. And everyone's like, yeah, well, that's what you're reporting. Well, that's, that's one of the really neat pieces of Kickstarter. And I don't think this is actually a requirement, <clears throat> or I'm almost certain it's not a requirement of the site, but... I think the concept conceptually, this crowdsourcing uh, came from open source software uh, and another different topic. But the, the idea of uh, lots of people participating to make something that really all they needed to contribute was their time. Software is an interesting thing to manufacture because it just it kind of just takes time investment. It doesn't really take a lot of money. But um, and so this adaptation when Kickstarter coming on, seeing coming on board, you see a lot of products where they're open sourced. So you see a lot of electronics projects where they're so open about what they're doing. They're sharing who they're manufacturing with. They're taking videos in the manufacturing plants. They're sending out emails about the process for developing a product. They're sharing the electrical schematics. They're sharing the software. They're making things hackable. And so it's this really, really exciting space where we're coming into a time period now where real products, real physical items are open sourced. Now I can buy them, I can 3d print parts of my watch, I can order a, a CPU uh, that's manufactured online from a virtual CPU manufacturer, like you can get these this really interesting stuff that's, it's, it's removing these barriers that 
make things more expensive. It's removing the need for traditional marketing dollars and traditional middlemen and, and, and companies. Right. That so middlemen, right, is the thing that we're constantly talking about with media and stuff, right? Like the idea of media creation has been diffused to the people because you don't need a studio anymore just to do what we're doing like right now. It's the same with with the crowdsourcing stuff. And the place where I think that's cool is because when the stuff is open and there's only a certain am amount, like the idea of copyright or patents, which we've talked about before is to, there's value for the market in giving you a period of time during which you can profit from having come up with an idea. And so something like Kickstarter, like kicks the profit or the money that you can make from that idea because like if you put up a hundred thousand, we need a hundred thousand dollars to build out these prototypes to figure out, you know, mass manufacturing, and then we can have this thing out for you to buy. And you accidentally, not accidentally, but like, because people dig the idea so much, you raise $5 million, a certain amount of that's going to go into fulfillment, but then a certain amount is just extra money you're getting because the idea was great. Right. And you, so you made that money up front and now you don't have this impetus after the fact to control delivery and control production with this like proprietary system in order to make that money, right? Like the idea of I need to have this patented so no one else can reproduce it because that's how I'm going to make money is not as important. And so I think when you like it sort of flips that dynamic because it drives innovation if you are very open about the process of making this thing in such a way that if somebody watched your YouTube videos and took notes, they could literally reproduce it one for one just by following that you explained how everything works. <laughs> then if you want to persist as a brand, like the company Peak Designs that makes camera gear has done really well at this. Like they continue to make their old products if you want to buy it, but they're also pretty open about the components of those products and they just keep making new cooler products and so we keep persisting with the brand because it's like oh a cool new thing that i didn't think of it's not because oh it's the only place i can get that old thing that i still need and want and they're gonna sue me if i try to make it myself out of duct tape <laughs> it's a it's a very exciting shift in uh products and economics for uh, buying and selling goods in the world. It's, it's taking, it, it hasn't just done this take yet. A second, like, and think about what you just said. Like it, it, it's one of those things where people are like, Oh yeah, I guess you could crowdfund things. Like, I don't, I don't know that anyone has their head around the gravity <laughs> of like, you just explained that economic shifts. It's like, it's this sea change in how businesses work it's and huge. how money works and how I mean, it's, markets it's work. It's the kind of stuff where the people that weren't prepared go, Oh shit, what just happened? Holy, holy shit. What just <laughs> happened? That, that is totally, thank you for drawing attention to that. That is what's happening here. And it's, 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 it's I, it's been around now for a couple of years and I've been aware of it. So I've lost that enthusiasm, but I had that enthusiasm when this started. It's right. fucking incredible. And, what and my enthusiasm doing... comes from the other places that it starts to show up, right? Like we were just talking about law earlier and then we got before we started this and then it was like, oh, we need to talk about that on the podcast. We were talking about like, like professional services, like how does this diffuse to things like professional services, right? And this is like, I think the current example that everyone is the most aware of, of where it's like, holy shit, what just happened is something like Uber, where where like literally taxi cab companies now are having fights because they don't want Uber to exist. And Uber is just like, sorry, bros, 
Like, well, you... it's the same. It's sort <laughs> in a, in an interesting in like an economic sense. It's a similar thing happening. They have built a software system now that in real time judges prices, and so there's market demand. What will people pay to have a car pick them up? It's no longer eight dollars, and over time, a business like develops around this and solidifies its place in the market. Comments like that are no longer relevant in the future of business, and they're and and I don't want to judge previous generations because they've built this amazing world, this amazing foundation that we can grow in. But you shouldn't run a business just for maximizing profits anymore. You hear that in every single business school class. It's like the first thing the teacher says, your job is to maximize profits for your shareholders. That's fucking bullshit. And everyone gets that. We want, you want to build businesses to make the world better, to make people's lives easier, to offer a service, to pay salaries for people, to make a profit, to generate some amount. But the, the varying amount of what's reasonable, what's reasonable is changing now. And so people are more aware, businesses are more capable, it's easier than ever to start a business. And so you no longer need the same level of motivation to become a multi-billionaire and have 10 yachts. That doesn't need to be the motivation for people to want to start their own businesses anymore. And so we now get to adjust people's expectations and we get to adjust businesses' expectations. And this is something that's just starting. I'm getting ahead of where we are as a society quite yet right. but it's where we're headed yeah well it's and this is fucking and, awesome but this is where i think it gets to that place that where you know kind of this engineering of it right which is what what is that extrapolation right like and i don't mean that place like everybody's connected but it's more like what what that like the reason i stopped you to point out like do you see how big a shift this is, is because i feel like this is what we keep talking about that's the thing that people don't see right like the reason that people look at uber like the reason that the taxi cab companies are looking at Uber and they're going, no, it has to go back to the way it was before is because they just never conceived of another way that it could be. And then this medium that allowed this communication, to, like when the internet democratized a certain form of communication, the, the fact of like what a taxi company offered is if you just break it down, what a taxi company used to have was a garage where they maintained cars and a switchboard where a bunch of people answered phones and then they hung up the phone and then they got on a radio and they used the radio to talk to a taxi, their entire fleet and say, hey, is anybody near this location? And somebody would go, I am. And then they would say, okay, go over here and pick this guy up. And in exchange for that little relay of data, they were making an incredible amount of money for what that is worth in an economy of our communication and so uber replaced that switchboard system and everybody went no we used to make so much money right yeah <laughs> and people the world can... at large went yeah but for talking to people and so sorry you don't get that anymore yeah, you, can, you can get into sort of an economic debate too because the looking at the actual finances of this is probably tough they could argue that well uber isn't sustainable because it has so much investment money yada 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 but the general trend here is the market is the market has shifted and what we're willing to pay for things is different now and so that business is that business is antiquated it's going to go out of business traditional cab services and it's tough because it supported a lot of people there are probably millions and millions of, of taxi drivers in the world. And, and it also, uh, uh, and so that that's gone. What are they going to do? They're going to need to change jobs. They're going to need to change professions. Perhaps it's something big that existed is gone, but that's not a, that's not something new because of technology or because of this particular technology. That's what's always happened. Right. That's what always um, we happened. We just have to we adjust just, now. 
and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, like we, we just hit a, we are living through a particularly fertile period for that happening again, like for a good chunk of time, like generations worth of time, the changes in technology and communication and industrial services and things like that were very incremental. And we've hit a period now where we're starting to see these, it's like, it's a, in an inflection point where mm -hmm. big constant, shifts have happened and people change. are going, what this, no, we have to roll it back. And it's like, no, this, what you're, you're just seeing an industrial revolution. Like if you go back and you look at the stuff that started happening when the cotton gin took over for people physically having to separate cotton from plants Everyone had the exact same reaction, like all these people, the jobs and the shit and Go the slaves back. and the whatever. Like, imagine, imagine we the had big guys about tribe who like, who then saw his neighbor invent the spear. He's like, "Well, shit, you're not going to buy my pelts anymore. I've been out there killing these woolly mammoths for you for ten years, and you you're going to give everyone in the village a spear now." Fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm going to beat you up and burn your hut down. Right? Like it's the it's classic um, classic story. It's on the so what I think is interesting, if you look at the shift from Kickstarter to Uber to like where we are with Patreon and stuff, is there's a difference in what the market is going to be and, and what it's going to look like for like the side of Kickstarter that I deal with a lot and Indiegogo and stuff is usually about stuff, right? Like to get a product, a physical product in front of you, just there's materials, there's shipping costs, like... There's a, there's a floor at what that thing can cost without it, without it not being worthwhile to do at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, services. And so, I mean, Uber falls in between because you do have to maintain your car. Like there's this physical component, but the fact of why Uber works, and this gets us into Patreon and podcasting and the idea of like lawyers and doctors and what the worth of all of that different stuff is, is when you're talking about essentially a service that facilitates like a, or not a service, but a, when you're talking about a business or a, a communication medium, an app, like whatever, a web portal that facilitates just like the people providing a service then you start to have this thing where it's like, well, all Uber drivers are doing is driving. And driving is a thing that in the United States is easy enough and ubiquitous enough that you can get a license to do it when you're 16 and never have to even take a test again to continue to do it until you die. <laughs> like that license is, oh, you were good at this when you were 16? Cool. You can do it for 70 years. And we won't even ask if you're good at it again. <laughs> like, you know, so, so the idea of like what a taxi driver had, like maybe there's an X factor of they know their way around town because they're a professional driver. That was a big part of it. But like, that's been replaced too. But that's also gone because of smartphones mm -hmm. and GPS and computers that are better at navigating people mm -hmm. than, than people. And so it came down to, can you operate a car? And in a world where I can operate a car, you can operate a car, I just would rather someone else did it for me in this instance, that would rather turns out to not be worth what taxi cabs thought. And so they lost out in this, in this market, right? And so you're just going to start, I, I think you just are going to start seeing this diffuse to more and more and more places. And so, so that gets me to, I think, what the novel 
sort of model of Patreon versus Kickstarter is, right? Because Kickstarter is about like, here's this product, project, and give me some money and I can complete it. And then we all go, yay, we're done. And the <laughs> difference with Patreon is this, you know, the name even comes from this idea of a patron, which is sort of an old model for how artists used to like, Shakespeare used to have patrons and they were just rich people that paid him <laughs> on an ongoing basis to stay alive so he could keep making poetry. And it was like an arrangement that wasn't about like commissioning a piece, although that certainly happened as For well. Sure. It was For more sure. about was like expectation. Right. Um, it was more about I'll, I'll help you survive. Right. So talk a little about the, like sort of the, the idea of the model with Patreon, right? Like what are we, <clears throat> we want to keep doing this podcast as long as we possibly can. So what I see with Patreon that's neat is I see it as potentially the beginning of the next, uh, the beginning of how media reaches mass market, essentially, whether or not mass market still needs to be a thing someday. But why wouldn't say, uh, <clears throat> um, what's the, what's the singing show that people like? <laughs> Uh, the Voice or uh, American Idol? American Idol. <laughs> Say American Idol started as a YouTube channel, right? And someone was doing American Idol with their friends around their house. Say it started as a video that you posted one night of like a karaoke event, right? And that was a popular video. It got a million views. And you're like, hey, I'm going to do this more often. You post more videos. Then all of a sudden you get a following. Then you put a Patreon page and you say, hey, we're going to, I'm going to make these. I'm going to get people from my neighborhood who have really good voices. I'm going to get kids. Maybe you focus it. Hey, I'm going to get kids now and I'm going to start to make them popular on the internet. And then they're going to get jobs as musicians or my channel is going to grow. And eventually it's, it's the community deciding from the absolute beginning all the way up to whatever level they want something to become. They decide, they support it, they finance it. Uh, and, and in our society, financing is kind of everything, you know, there's, there's support, but in reality, stuff doesn't happen without there being financing behind dollars, driving things and allowing people to invest their time. And so this is Patreon is, is, a, a potentially a paradigm shift in how, uh, how artistic projects, uh, come to bear. Right. Projects that are less about like, when this finishes, I will ship you the smartwatch that you paid for. It's more about like, you believe in the mission behind this ongoing education project that I want to keep up mm -hmm. or this ongoing, like we back a bunch of yeah, like, like education channels, science channels, a bunch of and, channels we reference a lot right. on here, like smarter every day is on here. Um, yeah, um, we we're pitching them some money. Uh, I think what's, um, yeah, he, his Found channel, My Fitness, which is one about like nutrition and stuff. Um, like there's a lot of channels that make a bunch of money. Like there's one that I think is making 20 grand a month now that it's uh Kurzgesagt is what it's called. It's German for in a nutshell. The dude the the dude, I say dude cuz it started as a dude. It's a full-on team now. It's like a it's a side project for a design agency in Berlin. Hmm. And they just make science explainer videos. And and what I guess, cool. what makes me so super stoked about that piece is you're starting to see like decent money thrown at educational projects, which is the community saying, yeah. we want to know more. Education is important. And in a world yeah. where we don't pay teachers what they should get paid, it fires me up that there are videos where this guy is making, you know, a living's worth of money to just be a teacher mm -hmm. 
through this platform where people have just said that's a valuable thing and yep. they're giving you money for it instead of this thing where it's always like we need to fight for the teachers meanwhile no one wants to pay the teachers and what i thought what 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 i thought you know where to go from that right is this sort of idea of the micro transaction which is what you're talking about with patreon is is more like this idea of i have some money and on a monthly basis like like zengineering as an entity has has a budget and out of that budget, we use a tiny bit of it to go different places to cast our vote for the continued persistence <laughs> of these projects over here. And the idea is, as long as they keep being good, we'll keep that flow of mm-hmm. money going and they'll continue to be supported. Um, and when you talk about that in, in sort of, if, when you start to get way out there in terms of people that, you know, theorists and econ- you know economists and stuff that are talking about all of this like, oh shit, what just happened? Like market economy stuff that you were talking about before, they get into talking about microtransactions, right? So you can think of your dollar an episode that you give us on Patreon as this like microtransaction where you're casting a vote for our product continuing to exist. And there's an interesting aspect to that because if, if you can vote with your money right from the outset, then we don't need ads to make money, which is the traditional model, right? Like, which is a middleman service. Right, it's a middleman service. And well, where this goes, that's really interesting for me, and I don't know if this is necessarily the correct uh, like economic theory or if this is actually where things will go, but um, imagine a world where your smartphone knows what you're doing at all times and it gives money as you use things. And so I go to work in the morning and I use the expressway. So it gives 50 cents to the expressway fund. I take my trash out. It gives 25 cents to the garbage collection fund. I use electricity. It monitors that. It pays my electricity bill. Uh, instead of having these things that are kind of like uh, supported by... Uh, like a centralized facility, like instead of a government, we're like, ah, well, I don't want to support my this local school, or I don't want to support that road, or I don't want to support that train. Um, we make it so that people actually put their money where their mouth is. If you use right. something, you're going to pay for it. If you don't use it, you don't pay for it. And maybe some things can't be built then. And obviously, this doesn't this economic model doesn't work with everything. Yeah. But I was going to say that's tricky because like with <clears throat> municipal projects, like nobody thinks they need roads until they don't have roads. And then they go, why don't we have roads? And everyone has to go, let me explain to you how taxes work. It, of course, it's wildly <laughs> complicated. But conceptually, um, this is sort of sort of where things can go. We actually get to vote with our dollars now right. um, well, in a real meaningful way. And, and whether I mean politically or not, but in this sense with these, these, these platforms. Well, and so what part of what gets me super fired up here, and this is where we like, I don't want to go off the deep end into talking about cryptocurrencies and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you imagine digital money where like one of the problems with cash is that the smallest unit of American money that I can transfer to you is a penny. And it and I don't would cost pennies. And I can't give you a penny. <laughs> like, I can't give you that one cent physically. It might be worthwhile for me to transfer you pennies if we're there in person, right? Just here's a here's a nickel in your hat for playing <laughs> music on the street, right? Right. Like, but for me to try to send you that dollar in in, or that penny in San Diego for me in LA is not worth it. It would cost gas. Right. It would cost, you know, like whatever. And it's kind of the same way with digital 
the digital representation of that currency. Even if I wanted to transfer you money through my bank, they have to run it through a bunch of intermediaries that ends up meaning that only 30% of that penny gets to you. But when you're talking about things like cryptocurrencies and digital currency, like without going into how it all works, I can conceivably, if, if the whole system is just digital, but treated like cash, which is essentially how something like Bitcoin works without going into how the complexities, like I could conceivably transfer you a millionth of a cent for every single time that I'm just like, I had a good thought about Brian and I click a thing <laughs> on my phone and then you get your millionth of a cent, right? And if those add up over time, then you can have your your feel good fund for every time you made somebody happy, right? So it's this like, is, we've got a great example for this on our list of topics for this episode. There's a new web browser uh, launched by the former CEO of Mozilla called Brave. And what it is, is exactly that it ties microtransactions into your web browsing. And so this now as you advertising before, yeah, as you visit websites now, they basically remove the ads from websites, um, whether or not you like that model or not. Well, cause let's um, talk about what ad like, so ads is just, they're running ads so that they can make money because you're coming there to read their article. And so your eyeballs, and because your eyeballs are coming to their site, they can go to Gillette and say, Hey, we got a bunch of eyeballs. Do you want to sell razors? Same way media has always worked since the printing press. So they run ads. So then Gillette pays them to run ads for their eyeballs. And they don't, they don't, that blog doesn't care. Like they just want to continue to exist and to write about things that are going on in the world, but they need to have Gillette pay them for our eyeballs so that they can keep doing what they're doing. Right. So they can pay their bills. They don't need to run ads if we could just pay them directly. Right which people do sometimes. For instance, I try to donate to Wikipedia every year. I give like 20 bucks. Um, Wikipedia is a total nonprofit. They don't run ads um, because they believe that that potentially could could twist their mission to share information. And this browser now lets you do that across the web. You can allocate, uh, I believe this outworks. I, I installed it this morning. I haven't had a chance to play with it, but you can allocate uh, money to it um, or you can choose to have them run ads for you and you kind of choose the products you want to promote um, or support, or you can choose the sites. It chooses the sites for you by how often you go there. If I use Wikipedia, 50% of my time browsing the internet, 50% of the fund that I allocate will go to Wikipedia. 10% will go to the New York Times. 5% will go to Gmail. Really cool way to distribute this money. And it goes back to what you were just saying. We couldn't do that before. I couldn't transact a penny previously, but this actually is built on Bitcoin, I think, or on some sort of digital currency like like that. that. And so I can transfer a a fraction of a penny, a millionth of a cent. And when you're talking about 7 billion people in the world who are coming online, who can interact with these sites now, uh, that's super, super meaningful. Um, And, and it just, it's, it pushes us into the realm of where we started this podcast talking about Star Trek. It pushes us into this realm where uh, everything's kind of just distributed as needed. People need or want or use Wikipedia because they desire to be there, and it's supported because of that. It's, there's no other reason to support it. There's no other need to support it. It gets the funding it needs. It's able to grow organically to the size and to the structure that it needs to be to support the people coming there using it, and that's difficult. We're a long ways away from having that really emerge in the world, but it's so cool. It's so neat. And uh, what like the uh 
I got, I had that. So when I'm playing guitar with people, I have a running problem where I'm playing rhythm guitar and the lead guitar starts to play a solo. And I get so into how dope the solo is that I forget <laughs> where, what I'm doing. And then I, and then I fuck up as a rhythm guitarist. Like I just did that. I was listening to what you were saying. I was like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't want a communicator pin. What was I going to say? <laughs> Bridged Carpelman. No, but like the, the, the idea of what's, what's, interesting there as someone who just finished law school is where this filters down to the idea of different things that are services right like we pay lawyers a lot of money we pay doctors a lot of money we don't pay teachers a lot of money and that doesn't always seem to match up with their value for the world and the value they should have and some of that has to do with the accessibility of gaining a skill set. Some of it has to do with the value of the service that they provide. But like what happened with Uber, I think you're going to start seeing happen in places that have otherwise been hallowed ground. Like law school only takes three years. It's, it's hard, but it's not as hard as med school and arguably not as hard as just sort of learning to program for some people, right? For some, some some degrees of complexity, right? And so you could argue about who has more knowledge of value crammed in their head after 10 years of going to law school, practicing law for seven years, or being a database engineer for 10 years, right? But after 10 years of doing both, a lawyer gets paid $700 an hour, and a database engineer is still kind of capped out at, you know, I mean, getting paid very nicely, hundreds an hour, but it's not up in that lawyer realm. It's uh so what so what do you do with those like you're going to start to see these these realms where some lawyers are not going to get paid what they think they're worth and they're going to be real pissy about it. Well, I think like, I think the thing you started off this this thought here with the concept of fairness and uh there's people aren't necessarily paid what is fair or what we think they should be paid and you use the example of a teacher and a and an attorney. And I think what's interesting there is people aren't necessarily where I go with this sort of like the, the grandiose, how should the world be? People should be paid for their time and teachers get paid less, but they still go to their job every day. You're still sending your kid to school and that teacher doesn't make as much as an attorney. Now, there's a reason in our society they make less because of the economic model that our systems work on. Lawyers have positioned themselves uh, in a space where they're needed by high dollar, they're needed for high dollar things, big business transactions or big cases where they can win money. And so attorneys can, can charge more. They just can't, the market will pay them more. And teachers are kind of stuck in a position where they have to form unions to keep the benefits that they have now. And so where it would be nice to see this stuff go is where you actually have a clean uh, supply and demand where there's a workforce and they get paid actually what the market will bear. Because people use that excuse now, teachers are paid what the market will bear, but that's that's not true in that case. Maybe attorneys, maybe because they're kind of in a business realm, right? The market does kind of bear that, but there's all this other stuff in the way. Uh, and And something like the microtransactions and Kickstarter and projects where it's the, the the end source of funds, the consumer buying directly from the person going directly to the service, you remove a lot of the nonsense that causes the other hurdles. And so we can finally get to a point where people are actually 
paid what what is like their usage you're being used by the by the well and that's why it's it's relevant like it's relevant to the conversation about what we were talking about with drugs right because if you talk about a skill set that's hard to obtain there is there's an upstart cost but then once you have that skill set all you're doing all you're getting paid for is communication and in that sense it becomes no different than uber right like you need to have a car you need to learn to drive but after that all the taxi cabs companies had a stranglehold on was being the intermediate for a form of communication like i went to law school i haven't taken the bar but if i did then i would be licensed to practice law and it costs a certain amount of money to make that happen and for me to get that skill set but after that all i'm doing is talking to you about your case maybe showing up in court and talking to a judge about your case right but i'm just communicating right and so it's like it it ends up being this thing of if you try to think of it like the market forces and sort of the economy around the whole thing gets gets weird because it's not like kickstarter where you're like well i gave you this money and then a watch showed up at my door and so when you do try to think of it that way, it's like, well, there's great value to having a doctor's skill set keep you from dying. And there's great value to having a lawyer's skill set keep you from going to jail. I guess where it all goes for me is that same thing of like strap in for the Napster-like correction of all kinds of markets. Because I just went to law school and I can tell you, a lawyer's time is probably not worth that much more than a certain level of programmer or a certain level of personal trainer or a certain level like it's you have to learn how to use the system and that is a system that's very important to know how to use so that you don't go to jail or so you don't screw up contracts or so you don't hurt people with divorces but like it only takes three years to get and it's not hard enough that thousands of people aren't popping out with new law degrees every year. Like, you're just not, it's, there's <clears throat> going to be a point where you can't make the argument that it's so much more valuable than a personal trainer or a dentist to the general public. So like part of this is that communication thing we talked about before. As people talk to one another and go, here's what my lawyer did for me, and you both agree that was overpriced, then <laughs> like immediately that's already going to start to get around. It's like companies are popping up that'll process your divorce way cheap because it's already general sentiment that, God damn, those are expensive. <laughs> like, <laughs> No one's ever talked about using a lawyer without uttering those words at some point before the lawyer's hired. Um, well, there's, there's a... If we extrapolate this a little bit further, there was a movie that came out uh, five, six, seven, ten years ago, I don't remember... But one of the concepts of the movie is everyone had this thing strapped to their arm, I think, that had the amount of time they had left to live on it. And what the society had done is they had turned your time to live into your currency. And so they essentially had removed, uh, I don't remember if this is the exact plot, but the concept was... Is this a Justin uh, Timberlake movie? Uh, yeah, I think it was Justin Timberlake, <laughs> uh, who I love, by the way. JT's a big fan. I know he listens to the podcast all the time. And uh, so the... Uh, is that legal to say? Am I... <laughs> It doesn't. You're fine. Because when he once he is, he'll be like, "I am now." So that's cool. So they had turned your time 
into currency. They had turned your life into currency, which is really the only currency in the universe. If you really want to talk about it in, in a, in a philosophical sense, I contribute, I choose what to spend my time on. And that's the only thing I have. And so if we created a situation where I could trade my, say I have 10 years of life left, I could trade that for services to other people. If I really need an attorney, I can give him 10 days of my life. Then you would see things really start to balance out. There might be, what you discover is there might be attorneys that live forever because, or doctors who live forever, probably teachers who live forever, right? People you'd be willing to trade uh, for services that are of extreme value. But that's where we're trying to get with microtransactions and platforms like this is where I think I think they're kind of naturally driving themselves towards actually identifying the content, the services, the products that are of real value and real desire, as opposed to things that where the business was set up really well, and the marketing was crafty, and the person selling them was a really good salesperson. I, I don't mean to diminish those skill sets or those those accomplishments, but those don't really service the end need of needing something, needing medical treatment or needing a clean bottle of water or or even needing a smartwatch. Right. You don't need a smartwatch, but um, we're eliminating we're eliminating things that aren't good, things that aren't needed. And we're sort of organically selecting for stuff that's good. And I think I think that mentality Combined with what we frequently talk about, which was by far the season of the theme of season one, hippy so dippy liberal nonsense to get out of here. <laughs> Not even just hippy dippy liberal, but it's like the fact is that technology, which is a force, like technology that wants more technology, is what's driving this forward. If you resign to the fact that we can't roll back those changes, then you can prepare yourself for what I keep saying, which is like strap in. Because you're going to see these changes where lawyers at large are like the, the entrenched lawyers are going to be in five years going, oh, shit, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like and part and that kicks back on all kinds of other things, because like the student debt problem that we're having is a reflection of that, because it used to be that just by racking up a bunch of education, you could get a certain job and the value of paying for that education was based on a certain system. And so now, you know, you, you pay $100,000 to finish your education up through law school because the idea is, well, I'll be a lawyer, I'll pay it off. But in a world where it's like, actually, we decided you're not worth that much. Now you have all this debt and a skill set that's not actually so valuable. Like there's all these messy market corrections that are starting to happen. And I think in a lot of spaces, that's only going to get worse. So it's it's a thing to to know and to talk about and to look at like, in the context of do I go to law school or do I learn to program or do I just pick up a trade because maybe well, that's, fixing your plumbing is of no greater worth than keeping you healthy at the gym or keeping your teeth from falling out or like all of them take human time. And if you're breaking it down to time, like, yeah, part of the reason that case like divorces take a long time is because there's a lot of, man hours that go into mm-hmm. the back and forth arguments and all that kind of stuff. Like, so yeah, they are man hours, but like, does it need to be a $1,400 an hour hour? Uh, probably not. No, no, it doesn't. And that, yeah, <laughs> I'll say it. Right. And that, and so that, that in, in the world where this stuff is pushing ahead and we can't necessarily stop it, 
this we're back to that Napster of everything conversation, which is the Napster of lawyers is going to pop up and then everybody's going to go, yep. oh, fuck, what just happened? And there's going to be a whole something... lot of grumpy people with not as much money as they think and a lot of debt going, brr, 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 people should get paid more. And like, and it's, and, and my answer is going to be the same thing that it always is, which is you should have listened to our podcast four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the space where this goes, and this is where I was hoping we would end up is the concept of redistribution of wealth. And, uh, in all those scenarios, you were kind of speaking from the perspective of the person who's losing their job or whose job right. is being valued less than it has been traditionally. Well, and they so, tend to be the loudest when these changes happen, right? And partly because of the way the system works, they have the economic ability to be the loudest. And so what you're going to see is, uh, don't want to get into finances because I'm certainly not an expert, but money doesn't exactly, uh, it kind of does, but it doesn't exactly just disappear, right? So if attorneys aren't making $1,400 an hour, that money will be spent somewhere else. And it will ultimately... I hope in a beautiful Star Trek esh world be distributed so everyone gets paid the exact same amount per hour that they work. And that's, and everyone gets a jetpack. <laughs> that's not necessarily <laughs> that's not that may never be attainable. We uh, whole countries have tried to do that in the past and it hasn't worked. Capitalism has proven itself to be extremely effective in the in the reality that we live in, which is great. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at these conceptual things that we could implement socialism. I think represents that, right? Pay people for what they do, right. pay people for their time. We should look at those and see how we can strive for things that actually do seem like the right choice, right? We can't, we're not going to eliminate capitalism right now. Uh, we're not going to eliminate wealth. I don't think that's even interesting. We don't want everyone to be the same, but there is a, uh, there is something to strive for, something of interest there. And we're seeing these technologies make that possible and make those changes. Well, and I don't even, so like you say strive for, I don't even, I think it's just accept. Like it really seems like there's a certain degree of entropy that's like, okay, yeah, capitalism you is the correction in one direction away from communism and socialism, yeah. which we tried in certain places and it didn't work so well. But the swing back that direction, like it doesn't, the failure of the Soviet Union doesn't mean that some of their philosophical, you know, principles weren't worth. I mean, they were certainly worthwhile <laughs> enough that a giant group of people decided to give it a go as a government. Like it's so it doesn't mean that it's wrong, even though we still is, sort of have this thing of like socialism. That's a bad word. It's like, OK, well, but maybe there are aspects of this that are that are worthwhile and not just worthwhile, but like. To behave that way is is natural. It's universal. It's universal. It's the, we should and do an episode on this because like you brought this up before. We tried not to. We tried to push away from it for a while, and another force, technology, swooped in and went. Sorry, bros. Well, <laughs> software. If you maybe. follow the, the thought of software is eating the world, I think uh, the idea that software is coming into play with every single thing in existence. Uber, for instance, is 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 able to replace the cab companies because of software, because of geo positioning, because of maps, Google maps, because of uh, the ability to communicate really quickly software, this very, very mathematical based thing is starting to allow the second law of thermodynamics to come into play with big abstract global philosophies. And so our economic model now is seeing uh, this increase in entropy, this distribution of wealth. It's 
happening organically because it's the way of the universe. Physics at a very low level is now starting to be visibly apparent in these things that we've always thought were these man-made constructs that are these wildly abstract, complex things. They're not. They're emergent properties of the universe based on these very low fundamental laws. And everyone making the same amount per hour is a fundamental fundamental fucking law of the universe. Do With it. The assumption and if you don't want to do it, it's going to happen time anyway. Time is linear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a pretty good place to get out of here. So... Go Great. support us on Patreon because yeah, check out. Thanks for listening through this whole thing. Years, you want to be able to say I did that before it was cool. Because I think cool. something like Patreon is just the future of how everything works. I think they're From all politicians cool. to legal services to whatever. It's just going to be. I think it's really, I get a really cool buzz out of being part of these projects. It's fun seeing emails from products as they're developed. It's fun hearing from the entrepreneurs as they work. Um, and a topic we didn't get to touch on that I just want to mention real quick is uh, this concept of Kickstarter for products where you actually pay to get the product. It's been expanded. The SEC just this year approved oh, yeah, microfinancing. Can... Right. And so you can go to some websites. Uh, a couple we had lists here. WeFunder is, I think, the biggest one. WeFunder.com. Uh, and it's where you can actually invest. You get equity in the business. Uh, this used to be reserved for people who who had a net worth much, much greater than the average right. person. And so now the average person can invest in businesses, get equity, grow their own wealth by supporting businesses as they grow. And it's it's just a further distribution, further example of this happening everywhere. Well said. Super fucking excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I get the same sort of dynamic. buzz. It's like I, I I backed at a very low level Oculus when they were on Kickstarter and now they're blowing up as a VR platform. Peak Designs is another example where I backed an early project on Kickstarter and like I get I get a little satisfaction out of the idea that I supported their initial project and now they've gone on to be this billion dollar company that I'm like applying for jobs to work for. And in my cover letter I'm like, hey guys, I backed you on Kickstarter. <laughs> like and they don't care. But it it's still, you know, it's one of those things that like it, it makes me happy to feel like be able to say oh yeah i got in on those guys before it was cool <laughs> totally your brain is getting to contribute a little bit more broadly in the universe and right. it's pleased by that there's it's cool this stuff is all really cool i think we barely even scratched the surface on this this is a much yeah. broader topic than i thought it was going to be totally we, we could do very specifics from but, this but uh, hopefully around. that's what season two will be yeah is, stuff like is, that um season two we're gonna we're gonna try to get some more guests Way more guests. Um, way more guests, more guests so we can start these conversations from, you know, different places. I feel like we kind of end up in the same place. The least we can do is try to start <laughs> different places. Um, it's a good place to end, though. It's but, nice uh, there. It is. I, I was feel good with it. Warm. So thanks <laughs> for sticking around for another one. Thanks uh, for hanging out. Check us out at zengineeringpodcast.com. Fuck yeah. And, uh, everything else you need is there or on Thanks. socials or just and if you've if you've been here for 22 episodes uh you're awesome right. and thank you for being part of this because it's really been motivational and uh I, I don't know if i would do 22 episodes if i didn't have a bunch of friends that are listening to this all the time yeah. i think i would have backed out a while ago right so it's fucking awesome thanks peeps thanks everyone i'm adam <laughs> i'm brian peace out and don't forget to keep redistributing that wealth redistributing it's awesome that wealth. <laughs> <laughs>